Hello, folks. This is Princess. You are listening to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share with your friends. It's tough. We're in a very tough spot. I think that what we're doing right now is of great benefit and virtue because it's an end around between this whole corrupt informational system, media system. We claim to believe in a God who spoke the universe into existence and literally raised himself from the dead. And yet we are not going to believe that anything else exists in the spirit realm, even though his word tells us that they do. Their bodies weren't permitted to go to sleep like humans do, and they weren't permitted to go to heaven. So they wander the earth. You know, I've seen the eyes turn black to unknown tongues being spoken. These giants would live way up in the highlands. The young braves, the young men, would hide up in the trees and wait for one of these 12 footers to come walking down the path, and they would jump on them and kill them, drag them back to the village, and the village would feast on the body. Then people start to get weapons, they start to get armor, they start to build cities, they start to fortify their cities. Now, God looks down and there's violence everywhere. The battle, this war that we are at, is not against each other. It's against these principalities and these rulers and these archons in the high places. It's really worthwhile to read the Bible yourself. Fear is one of the primary drivers of mind control. Because we have to take every thought captive and resist fear you're going to have a testimony that is a justice case against the kingdom of darkness. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Rod. I have an awesome episode in store for you guys. I'm joined by Stacy Chavis. Now, I've released a mini Ease of Edification episode with her the other week. Powerful, powerful stuff. This is the long conversation. She shares her testimony. We talk about her life, supernatural things she's encountered, the goodness of God, how God has been calling her and what he's doing with the willingness that she's bringing to the table. So this is a really heartfelt and powerful testimony episode. We have a great conversation and I'm excited for you guys to enjoy this one. I need you guys to leave me that five-star rating and review. That's what helps the show grow so we can reach more people. If you're on Apple Podcasts, write me a written review. That really helps a lot. On Spotify, when I label it a video episode, you guys make sure that you download Spotify. If you have an Apple phone, you can still download the Spotify app. And you can watch all the video content that's up there. Whenever the episode is labeled, this is a video episode. You can either watch my friend Enoch, uh, one of his documentary pieces. You can watch the video for that, which is really well done and highly recommended. Or if you're just into watching me and my guest talk, that's super cool too. All of that is there for you guys to access. And on the Spotify app, I've been running some polls where you guys can vote. I'll ask a question and give you guys some options to do some voting. And you can comment on the Spotify app. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me on the Spotify app with questions, comments, 
Now you guys know that you can do that. Don't forget to check the show notes, the details on each and every single episode where you can find Dan Duvall's Bride Ministry, which is my recommended ministry app with the prayer portal. If you guys need prayer deliverance, highly recommend that. You can also find my webpage. It's right there in the show notes and any details about the episode. If you want to support this podcast, you can find information in the details of the show notes. Or you could just reach out to me via email. You can send it through Cash App, Venmo, whatever the Lord leads you. If you feel like you want to partner with me and work with me to help build this thing up. Because I believe it's all important. And I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into this episode with Stacy. I am ready. Are you guys ready? Let's go. This is Stacy Chavis with Walkworthy Ladies Ministry, and you are listening to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I have an awesome episode in store for you guys. I am blessed to have Stacy Chavis. Chavis, am I saying that right? Ch- Chavis, yes. Chavis, okay. I want to make sure I was pronouncing that right. There's my first edit for this episode, but (laughs) it's a pleasure (laughs) to have you here with me on this episode. We have ministered together a couple times. Brother Klaus, your husband, he is a mighty man of God. And I know that I've heard you have this powerful testimony and just you have some stuff to share. And the cool thing about the podcast is it reaches other people. It's amazing to see how our testimonies and how we just air, air things out, you know, just we talk about how we came to Christ and what God has done in our life, it reaches other people. So I am excited to hear your story. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you start off just telling us a little bit about yourself, um, what you're doing and what is going on with the ministry right now, and then we'll, we'll dive into your testimony. Sure. Klaus and I have been married for a little over two years now. And together we travel, we evangelize, we have a ministry together, and we also have our own uh, separate ministries. My ministry is called Walk Worthy. It's a ladies' ministry that is geared towards equipping women to walk in their God-given calling and purpose. I also am extremely passionate about um, medical missions, so I am endeavoring to do that. I'm in the process of finishing up medical school in hopes of soon launching uh, the apostolic organization or the apostolic surgeon organization, and that will be focused on apostolic medical missions. Um, I serve as a minister at my local church, and I am also the global missions director at my local church, as well as a small group leader of a group of about eight women. So um, heavily involved in ministry, very active, uh, very passionate about discipling and pouring into others, really loving, uh, loving people, loving God's people. Uh, and trying to do that the best way that I know how. So that is, that's powerful. I I didn't know about the medical school, so that's super cool. And you're really walking in your calling. And so 
I believe your testimony, there's other women and men out there right now that may be struggling and striving to hear what God is calling them to do, to just get clarity with all the different messages and signals in the world. Sometimes listening to somebody else's story, we can kind of perk up a little bit and go, wow, okay, so that's similar to maybe what I was experiencing or that that's the way that maybe God was trying to actually get through to me. So let, let's let's dive into your testimony. So where where were you born and raised and when did you first come to Christ? What was that defining moment where you're like, I'm all in, I'm serving the King of Kings? Uh, I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida. Um, I'm actually, I'm Indian. Uh, my parents are from Trinidad and uh and so our background is religion wise, our background was Hindu. So my parents are Hindu. I grew up as Hindu. I always knew that there was a God. I always believed in God. Uh, when it would be raining, I would say, oh, God is sad. Or if it was thundering, I'd say, God is angry. I, I always knew that there was a God. And even though I was a practicing Hindu, it wasn't ever anything that I had a, a very deep, thorough understanding of. It was very uh, just because it was my culture and out of tradition and habit, I knew a few things. I, I really started exploring Christianity when I was in college, I want to say. Uh, I was, we had a, a friend group of about four or five girls, and most of them were all from different states or different parts of town. And so they didn't have cars. I was the only one that had a car in my friend group. And one of our friends liked to go to church, and I would feel bad to just drop them off and not go to church. So I, I <laughs> we would all go to church together. Yes. And, yeah, um, cool. and so that, that's kind of how it started off. It started off in college, going to church with my friends. And that's when I really first started reading the word, knowing scriptures and pursuing a relationship with God. I so, got, I didn't get back. Okay, go ahead. Oh, well, this is all like brand new for me. So I didn't know this is the background. So Real quick, how do how does that work with the rest of your family? Are you the only Christian like in your family? No, I'm not. Um, my great grandmother she passed now, but she was Christian, and my grandmother mm -hmm. is Christian. I have also an uncle who's Christian. There are family members scattered throughout who are Christian. Okay. I wouldn't say okay. that they're. I wouldn't say they're as deep in it as, as mm -hmm. I am. Uh, my parents are not yet, but you know I'm believing. I'm believing God for for their salvation for my mom and my dad and my sisters. Absolutely. And, and um, wow. it was it was very difficult in the beginning because there were so many extreme changes within myself, uh, the way I dressed, or even just like you know drinking, having a drink at dinner. I wouldn't do that. I, I stopped wearing makeup. And, and so there were a lot of changes that they didn't understand or agree with. And they're very strong-minded, opinionated people. 
And you, of course, well, you may or may not know, but in the Indian culture, um, there's heavy emphasis on wealth and money, and you show that through jewelry and makeup and materialistic things. Whereas in Christianity, it's more about living a meek, humble lifestyle. Um, and so I think that that's where the most tension grew from, uh, because okay. I would get, you know, these comments from my sister, like, well, why aren't you wearing any jewelry or where are your earrings? And, and so there was a lot of persecution in the beginning that was very hard for me to take. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I know, I know from the perspective of like, when I came to the Lord, I had to like reinvent myself, right? I had to let go of this music and the partying and just this culture. And and that yeah. was difficult because it's like, you're coming, I was coming out of this, like, you know, Pennsylvania, Southeastern Pennsylvania, around the Philadelphia area. It was just the culture that I grew up in. It was cheesesteak, chicken fingers. People were smoking weed. There was a lot of house parties, everybody, you know, it was crazy mm-hmm. to put the kibosh on all of that and then find myself um, kind of alone and you feel like a target. So I can only imagine like just hearing, you know, you have this cultural impression where not everybody in your family even understands Christianity because at least people in the world, they have a concept of what Christianity is in America. They're like, Oh, you're one of those Christians, you know, like we get that all the time, but to actually like, you know, see that, you know, you're having this cultural difference where like they're expressing their wealth or what they feel is power through, you know, like you said, jewelry or just this authority or this position, right? Vehicles, houses, whatever it is. But you have this meekness, this reserved power that's growing on the inside, but you don't look or follow them with the attire on the outside. So that, wow, that's pretty deep. Um, now, what is it, what does it look like to have family gatherings at this point in time? Like, I'm just, I'm just going to ask a simple question, but take it from there and just, you know, dive into your testimony. But are they peaceable with you at this point in time? Like, are they starting to understand the changes that are happening on the inside in your belief versus just comparing with the outside? Yes. So, uh, the first year was probably the most difficult and um and and that that's where i really faced a lot of that persecution and a lot of the the uh tensions with uh, spending time together and and things of that nature cuz i'm very close with my family I'm, my older sister is essentially one of my best friends my mom and i are very close i'm a daddy's girl um i'm the baby of my family and so and so it was really difficult for the first year. And actually, I backslid. I backslid because of all the pressure. Um, when I first, I first got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, February seventh, twenty seventeen. It was a Wednesday night. It was a midweek service. Um, it was my first time stepping into an apostolic church. A previous uh, coworker had made a Facebook post, who wants to come to church? And uh, some of the backstory of that was I had gone through a string of bad relationships. I was in an abusive relationship. Before that, the guy I was dating actually ended up having a stroke and everyone blamed me for it. And, um, and so I had already cut myself off from like all my friends and all the partying and going out and all of those things. 
And throughout that time, I was I was in medical school and then I was forced to stop and I started working a full-time job. And, and so I felt really lost. I felt very confused. I didn't know what my next steps were going to be. And I just wanted to go back to school. I just wanted to finish medical school. So I was really at a point in my life where, like I said, I was just feeling completely lost. When my coworker uh, made that status, I at that time I had been searching for a, a church because a couple weeks prior, I went to a women's empowerment conference. It was like a Christian women's empowerment conference with one of my friends. And all these women were talking about their church home and their church family and, you know, the significance and the impact in their lives of having this church family. And I, even though my family was there in Tampa, I still always felt alone and isolated. I felt like something was missing. And so I, I, after attending that conference, I said, well, I'm going to find myself a church home. And I went on Facebook and I asked for recommendations and I got a whole list of recommendations. And I went that first Sunday to a church I visited. It was good, but I felt like I needed more. So I thought I would have to wait till the next Sunday, not knowing that Wednesday night was a church service. And I was supposed to hang out with my sister that night, but something was just drawing on me that I needed to go. So I went and the pastor <laughs> yes. preached. And she, and so my friend, uh, she sat down next to me and I just broke down crying. And she was asking me what, what was wrong. And I just told her how I felt so lost and I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't working. I wasn't in school. I just felt really lost. Like I didn't know what my next steps would be. And I grew up as someone who always had a plan, always had an outline, always, you know, very accomplished, did well in school, always knew I was going to be a doctor. You know, everything had always been laid out for me. So this was the first time I really battled with something like that. And she talked to me about baptism in Jesus' name. And I had been baptized before when I was in college, but it was one of those Friday night youth event kind of things. And I really didn't agree to it or know what was happening. They just kind of said, who hasn't been baptized? And then took us all into the back and baptized us. So uh, that was different. Um, so, so I wasn't sure what they said. So when she was asking me, well, did you, have you been baptized in Jesus name? And since I wasn't sure, uh, my thing is like, well, I'm just going to do it again just to make sure. So I got baptized in Jesus name that night. And then they said, do you want the Holy ghost? And I said, yes. And they prayed for me and I received the Holy ghost. And it's an experience and a feeling that I'll never forget. It was like this electricity came up through my right hand and my began in my fingers and just went up through my arm and like across my body and I just I felt God. I like I felt him in a way that I had never felt him before. And and it was amazing. 
and I felt whole. I felt healed. I felt joy. I felt peace. It, it was that joy unspeakable that that so many of us talk about. Nothing could get me down. I mean, I was go. I was still going through it. I still had all the same problems, but. I knew that I would never have to be alone again. I would never have to feel that loneliness. Something I didn't mention before was that I had been suicidal. I was suicidal when I was in college, and then I was suicidal during that season prior to deciding to to look for a job or um, a church because I was talking about how I had this string of bad relationships. And, um, and that led me to, you know, want to take a whole bunch of pills, you know, just end all the pain and, and just be gone because I, I felt like it would better be better for me to just die than to, than to live how I was living and all that pain and all that hurt and all the rejection and, and just the, the trauma that I had gone through in my life through, like my family and relationships and just disappointments and hurts that happen as you go through life and you get older and God, he, you know, he instantly removed all of that. I had, I turned, I turned to all the things that people turn to in the world. I turned to drinking, I turned to drugs, smoking and, and trying to numb the pain and escape reality. I did all of those things. But at the end of the day, you know, it didn't take away the pain or the hurt, not like when I was filled with the Holy Ghost and felt as though God came in to my broken heart and healed every, every crack and every crevice, every hole. And, and I felt that peace and that joy. And and that's when things really started to change for me. And I mentioned that I, I backslid. I backslid for um, a couple of months. I was in the church for about six months. And then the pressures just became too much. And certain things happened at church. And I felt like, I don't need to deal with this. And I left. And I and I kind of battled with it. I struggled with it, but I always prayed. I never stopped praying. I never stopped seeking God. And I would say to God, "Well, if it's your will for me to go back, eventually I'll go back." And I did start to make my way back. I didn't fully recommit myself till about. Six months after when I started going back. So it's about September of the following year, September 2018. And for me, the difference was relationship. Because when I first got saved, I was doing all these things in the church. It was a smaller church and they needed help. And, and I had the time and I had the giftings and the talents. So of course I was going to give myself to helping. But in doing that, I neglected nurturing and building my relationship with God. And wow. in those months that I was yeah. away, I, I was able to pray and pursue him and grow in my relationship with him. Meanwhile, still being in the world, still going back to doing all those things I was doing before. But, but God was with me and he was giving me that grace and he was building me up yeah. to go back. So when I went back, I was rooted in who I was 
And because I was rooted in who I was, I knew who I was in Christ and who he called me to be. I, I had a confidence now where I was, I was social and I was hanging out with these people. I was being used by God and getting all these opportunities to, to testify and, and to help start organizations and do marketing for all the churches. Cause we're, a we're a network of about more now, but at that time, about 27 churches and, you know, really helped to, to do some vital work for the ministry of God. But it's, it was about that balance of Mary and Martha uh, that I had, you know, prayer, prayer was, prayer was vital. It was important to me. I made time for prayer. I made time for my relationships with God. And I saw a difference even in how I was the marketing and events director for my church. When I first got there and, and when I returned, they asked me to come back into those positions. And I did. And I saw such a difference because now everything was God-led. Everything was God-inspired. The flyers, the colors, the events, everything was God working through me. And because it was God, everything was now fruitful. Wow. Um, so, yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful. So it's almost like God get, is like waking us up to our calling. And and what does a good father do, right? Because like for me, I, the way that I grew up is like me and my dad didn't have the best relationship. He kind of was working a lot and gone a lot. And when he was around, it was always like, okay, don't do anything wrong walking on eggshells. So when I came to Christ, I came with like this, oh, I got to be. I got to be perfect. I can't do nothing wrong. And then feeling like yeah. I was going to get squashed like a bug when I started to backslide and, and wrestle with things. So I hear other people's stories and what I'm seeing is just like, God is a good father. Like he is just waiting. He's like, I have a calling for you. I have an anointing for you. And like just him seeing the finished product of Jesus Christ in us. No wonder why it's a double portion of grace when we're figuring it out, because I really feel like God is so patient with us and, and really just he he knows how much bondage from the secular things that we go through, the things with our family, all the systematic desensitizations, the airways, the frequencies of the enemy posturing himself to try to defeat us. We're really walking miracles, to be honest with you, Stacey. We're all of us. We're walking miracles. Yes. And then yes. God is calling us out of the darkness is like. That's what keeps me in love with God even more just at like wh where I'm at right now, because I'm going, God, you just keep leading me closer to you. Like, I don't bring nothing to the table. I'm, I'm nobody but you. Oh, the mm -hmm. majesty of the king. So I love hearing I love hearing that story because. That's cool. That, so you're still in these roles. You're, you're still working with churches. You're ministering. You're with the small woman's group. You're training up other women, which is that's so biblical. Women, listen to me for one second. <laughs> when you start living godly, God is working this out in you, and He's showing you things. We have to be willing to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law. We have to be willing to be like, listen, I'm going to start this small group. Never despise small beginnings. I learned that, and a core group of, of women that you're you're. It's like a Bible study. You guys are doing a prayer meet. And is any of that open 
to let's say if if listeners wanted to come and join you on like a I don't know a Zoom call or how, how do you do this? Do you do anything that's online as well? Because I know with Klaus he has Digital Disciples Ministry. He does some YouTube stuff. So let's talk a little bit more about your ministry. Yes, absolutely. It's open. Uh, it's open to ladies wherever, whosoever will come. Uh, it's pri- the group is primarily uh, based off of Facebook. It's a private Facebook group. So if you just search Walk Worthy and you send a request to join, you can join. I post lots of content in there. I share words of encouragement, upcoming events, uh, whether they be online or in person. A lot of the teachings are done online. I um, And even if you're not able to join the live teachings, I do the live teachings on Zoom. Um, for those that are not able to attend when it's live, I do record it and put it on YouTube as well. Right now, we're doing a summer series reading through the book, The Bait of Satan, uh, which is a study on offense, which is, uh, I feel like it came directly from God to me for such a time as this, because we know that in this life, you will face offense. You know, Jesus says that. And we know that we're in the last days and many will be deceived and many will be deceived because of offense. So, um yeah. I feel very strongly, uh, you know, about that, that teaching that I'm doing again with everything that I do for ministry. It's God led, God inspired. I don't want to do anything of my own will or my own volition. So I felt led to do a summer series on the bait of Satan. So we're about in week three right now. Um, so that's what's going on with that. Um, on YouTube, I'm Stacy Chavis, but you can find all the walk worthy videos on there as well. Um, And I'm very active on social media, on my Facebook and my Instagram. People reach out to me for questions, for mentoring or counseling. I also do mentorships as well. And not just with ladies that are here, but anywhere, because I know that it's hard. It's hard being a woman uh, trying to do what God called you to do. And we're not always surrounded by strong women of faith that will pour into us and help us and guide us and lead us. Thankfully, that was not ever my story. I had so many women to pour into me and to guide me and lead me when I first started my walk. So I feel that it's only right that that I do that. Um, I Yeah, I'm just very passionate about equipping and enabling women while the world aims to have women pit themselves against each other and make everything a competition. We know that as women of God, we should be praying for one another, uplifting one another, supporting one another. There's more than enough room for all of our giftings and talents, for all of our abilities, and we can accomplish so much more together than we could ever apart. Wow. Very well said. And that drive and that passion. I I love the last part that you said, there's plenty of room for all of us and God's gifting and our ability because we, there's just so much that we have vision and dream to come to pass. Right. And it's like, there's, there's so many things that we know God is moving and wants to do, but I believe from God's perspective, it involves like a lot more people than are currently participating. (laughs) 
<laughs> so when I see somebody who's like full fledged in feeding flock and, and training up people and just taking that time, I believe that's bringing the bigger picture into focus because it, it, hey, we're supposed to pray for more laborers, right? Because yes. the, the harvest is be, is going to become more plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so when we're, we're planting that seed and watering that seed, it's a good wage and God is going to get glory because he's going to cause it to grow. So yes, interesting, very interesting story. And then I know um, you've came up here, you and Klaus a few times now, and we've had mm-hmm. some powerful prayers together. Yes. I want you to talk a little bit about what the drive and the mission is that God is is leading and tugging you guys to. I mean, we could even talk about like greater than Azusa street, right? Yes. I, that is starting mm-hmm. to pop up now where we know God is doing certain things with people all around the country and, and within the States around us. Right. So talk yes. a little bit about how God has been preparing you guys. And I mean, any, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you feel like sharing, um, but help us understand. So as other people start to minister and they start to go out and, and walk faith on a line of faith, maybe, maybe there's something you can say that they can relate to. A lot of people, when I first got saved, I think I had been saved for maybe about a year or two. I think I was saved for two years. And the church that I came out of or moved from, I should say, when I got married, had a has a Bible school where you can go through all the classes and you can become a licensed minister. And I felt that I was called to become a licensed minister. So I started these classes, of course, with the approval and support of my lead pastor. And lots of people told me that I was crazy. You're crazy for pursuing your minister's license. Once you start preaching, once you start ministering, that's that's when the enemy really starts to go after you. You know, you're putting a target on your back. And I thought, what a stupid reason to not do what God called you to do. So I went <laughs> ahead and I, I still, yeah. I did it. I I took yeah. all the classes. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what God called me to do. And if I'm doing it, I'm doing what God called me to do. Then I know that God is going to protect me, and He's going to see me through. And just like it says in James, count it all joy when when these trials come, knowing that you are being perfected. And um, and that scripture has been a carrying theme in my life probably for the last maybe four or five years. And and Klaus and I were just friends when we talked about the, all the ministries we were going to have and all the things that we were going to do. That's really how our, our friendship came about, was talking about God and who God is and and all the things that we wanted to accomplish for God. And so we always knew that we were going to do all these great big things for God. And when... When this year started and, and Klaus got the vision for greater than Azusa, it was confirmed over and over and over. The word that God gave me for this year is unprecedented. God said he is going to do unprecedented things this year. And we know that Azusa started out of prayer meetings 
And we really need to get back to the basics of prayer meetings and seeking a move of God. And even with ha- what happened at Asbury the, a few months ago, it was birthed out of a prayer meeting. It was birthed out of, out of a group of students tearing in the Lord. And, and we have gotten so far away from that. Now, church services are preaching for 45 minutes and praying at the altar for 10 to 15 minutes, when really it needs to be the opposite. It needs to be praying for 45 minutes to an hour, probably more, with very minimal preaching and teaching. We don't really need to, to do that much preaching, especially to the saved. You you preach to the lost, you teach the saved. And, and so we kind of have to correct a lot of church culture as it is today in America. You wouldn't think it, but there are so many places in the United States where people don't have a church. They don't have a church in their area that they can go to, or they don't have a church in their area teaching truth. And so Klaus and I have a burden to go to those areas. You know, we go up to Pennsylvania, we go to Northern Virginia. Uh, There's a church that Klaus pastors, the pastor of that church in Louisiana. And I know that there are more that are, are going to be coming. And so we have such a burden for these people because they don't have a church that they can go to. They don't have a a group of people to fellowship with on a weekly basis or someone to meet up with them and counsel them or pour into them. So you do have, you know, that's why you see these internet famous preachers because so many people now in this day and age are drawing to the internet to find truth, to find teachings, to be fed because they they cannot get fed at, through any other means. And this is vital, vital for us to answer the call. It's vital for us to disciple. It's vital for us to counsel and to pour into, into others. And so we do have people that reach out to us um, on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. They need counsel, guidance. We schedule Zoom calls for prayer, for counseling. And um, and we do all that we can do to help these people. And it's a beautiful thing, too, because then we get to connect with so many different people in other states and in other areas and even in, in other parts of the world I think it was the end of last year, I had a girl ask if Klaus and I were going to be coming to Toronto anytime soon because she wanted to get baptized in Jesus' name. And normally when they're far away like that, I'll try to find a church that I can connect them to. If not, you know, we'll find a way or make a way to meet them somewhere or get to them. That's how we met Terry Allen. We drove up there to baptize him. And I was able to connect her to a church and uh, she was able to get baptized and get, get the Holy Ghost from an Instagram message. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, but we all, we can't limit God, you know, and a lot of people try to limit God that he can't work in on certain avenues or through certain things. But I got saved through a Facebook post. I met my husband on Facebook. I mean, Facebook is responsible for half of my, my, my ministry, (laughs) my destiny. 
I yeah. mean, like, what what a millennial yeah. testimony. Like, yeah, Facebook yeah. did it. Exactly. So. Oh, that's epic. That is. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here sharing this story. I think there's a whole generation of people that agree. The millennial generation are nodding their heads as they're listening to this. And smiling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Ex- exactly. Yes. <laughs> but and I said this on another recording. I'm like, man, if the Apostle Paul was here, he'd be on a podcast like he would utilize yeah. everything. Right. He'd be writing letters. He would be out on the street. He'd be on a podcast. He'd be on a YouTube video. You would literally find him everywhere. You'd find him in the car yelling out the window as he's traveling to baptize somebody else. He'd be like, man, this is much better than walking. But (laughs) and and the day and age we live in, we are using the enemy's airways, right? Because the prince of the power of the air, this enemy, he's got the airways jacked up. He has people messed up in all types of ways, but we are on a battlefield and a mission field. Yes. And by doing what we're doing right now, it is, it is significant. Sometimes beyond even what I realized, like I'm like, Oh, podcast, another episode. I'll pray. I'll say, God, give me wisdom. I'm interested in this story. And I don't just release any episode on this um, platform. Like I, I'll, I'll pray about it. I, I try to capture what I see that's beautiful in somebody else. Or if I know somebody's legit, like they really have the heart to be doing this, they're walking what they're talking. I try to collaborate with that person. Like your story needs to be heard because, hey, we have too many actors. We have too many actors out there and acting is never going to actually make a disciple. And there's no power in that. There's only people just be lusting over them, right? They're just, they want what they have. Oh, I want to be like this person. Oh, I want to sound like this person. But really we have the sons and daughters of God that are starting to come into position of the ecclesia. We are starting to come into correct order and position by networking, praying what you were saying. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is what we need to be doing at this point in time. And man, I'm enjoying this conversation. So let's talk about, have you, I've never asked you, have you ever had a supernatural experience? Have you ever had a dream a vision or any, anything at all that deals with the supernatural why with your your time in the lord or even before that um i've had many i've had oh, many supernatural okay. yeah okay. i've had, I've had many supernatural experiences <laughs> both 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 before i got saved and after yeah okay are you willing to share Share one from before you got saved, and then let's talk about one after, and then just just walk us into it. Um, share as much as you want to share. W- what happened? Well, the before I got saved, I won't go into too 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 many details, but um, we know with Hinduism and in the West Indian culture, there's voodoo like practices and you know very what we know now or what i know now to be witchcraft and so that had gone on and i just recall um always being a person of prayer you know i always gave myself to prayer and fasting and things of that nature and in hinduism we have uh, what is equivalent to a pastor or a priest is what's called a pundit. And we you can get these readings, and they're kind of like astrological readings, I suppose. I'm not sure of the ins and outs of it. 
but a cousin of mine who I consider like a brother had got a reading for me from his pundit and they told him that someone had a, a doll of me like a uh I guess like a voodoo doll of me and that it had so many pins in its in its head that you couldn't even see its face and I believe that this was around the time that I was just starting college and I was going through a lot of uh, difficulties transitioning and things like that, which is why I believe that I reached out for the reading to try to understand what was going on. And I was told to go on a fast, which in Hinduism, fasting is basically like a Daniel's fast where you just don't eat meat. And I remember being in my room one night and it was like these black ghost-like figures were just like swirling in a circle above my bed and I was so scared I just hid under my covers and I had never experienced anything like that before till this day I'm not entirely sure you know what was happening or what was going on but apparently there was a person who was wishing evil upon me and wanting me to take my life um which did happen i i did find out afterwards like cuz i mentioned that i had you know battled with being suicidal and my freshman going into sophomore year of college i went through some things and and i had a very big bottle of motrin and i took a lot of those pills I ended up telling one of my friends and they took me to the hospital. I had to get my stomach pumped. I ended up at Jackson Crisis Center because I went to college in Miami, so I was in that area. They wouldn't let me out. My dad had to come pick me up. Uh it was a horrible experience. It was so horrible. Um I was like I will never do that ever again just for the mere fact of like all the things that you have to go through after you attempt suicide on your life. And so after the fact I had found out, yeah, this person wanted you to kill yourself. And I said, "Oh wow, cuz I actually did try." And it's just crazy wow. how Yeah, it's crazy mm. how like everything is spiritual, you know, yes. whether you see whether you see how it's related in the spiritual or not everything is spiritual saved or not everything has spiritual implications so stacy you've been through a lot and you've dealt with a lot of supernatural encounters and just you know the attempt on your life but the providence of god and god's hand and plan for your life is really it's this victory story It's a story about overcoming and it's a story of obviously the proof is there that God is using you and positioning you for the kingdom so it's just amazing to see how he works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his will and purpose. And this is a heartfelt story that you're sharing with us here on the Millennium Mustard Seed podcast and honestly I'd love for you to come back for a part 2 Stacy is this story your journey your story is really going to speak to somebody out there. Amen. Um I've always tried to use my testimony to help others and to allow others to um 
help alleviate some of that that stress and burden of going through things that they don't have to go through by sharing my testimony and my uh, my journey here. And hopefully, I pray that it encourages um, whoever may hear this to continue pursuing God and um, and His call on your life because He is faithful. And as the Word says, He will finish the good work that He started in you. Amazing. And if you guys have been affected by Stacy's story, it's it's moved you deeply. You can connect with something that that she's went through or just the overcoming journey in general, just seeing the goodness of God, tasting and seeing that he is good, how he literally can take everything that was against us and flip it and bring it so that it's ammunition and power for us to be able to help minister to other people. If you guys found that to be true on this episode, you guys write me an email, go to the the description, the show notes, email me. And and even if you want to come on the show and you want to talk about something that you've been through, that's what this podcast is for. You know, it's for glorifying God, going through the difficult topics, sharing our testimonies. And this was a powerful one. Stacy, thank you so much for being here with me on this recording. Thank you for having me, Rod. Absolutely. And you're going to come back for a part two. So that's it. That's the show. You guys go leave me that five-star rating and review that helps the show grow it. There's somebody else out there that needs to hear this. And that's how you guys can really help us reach somebody else. And with all that being said, God bless and goodbye.